Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Excited today. We're going to uh, look at a scripture from Romans chapter 8. Um, since Pastor E is not uh, preaching this afternoon, we'll take a look, uh, just a little break from the Numanity series. But we'll look at uh, some verses from chap- chapter 8 of Romans. Um, I've never started a sermon with this word before, but let me just say it this time. What had happened was, if you are from Philly, you know that's one word. What had happened was, I was planning to preach this sermon, and then Pastor E got up in worship and just preached the whole thing. But we'll, we'll try to do what we can do anyway, by God's grace. So let, let's stand up. Now nah, that's the Holy Ghost. So let's stand up. And um, I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 27. Um, you can read it along with me if you like. And this is in the ESV. So starting at verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful and we are grateful for your word. We pray that as we come before you and as we open up your word, that you would minister to us as only you can by your Holy Spirit. Do that surgery in each one of our hearts, in each one of our minds, in each one of our lives that we specifically need performed by you today. So have your way and glorify the name of Jesus. In all of this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So today, as we go back into Romans 8, uh, I just want to recap for a minute what has happened beforehand in the book of Romans. I, I preached a couple sermons earlier this year from 
the, the, uh, from Romans 8, 1 through 17, and we're picking up in verse 18, but it's been a while. So just to kind of recap what's going on in the book of Romans, one of the, uh, every book of Scripture is inspired by God and is great and is wonderful for us and it builds us up and nurtures us in our faith. But Romans is a book specifically where Paul laid out the gospel very explicitly with great detail uh, to, to lay out what the truth of the gospel is. He had desired and had been desiring uh, to visit Rome, which was the capital of the, Rome, the whole Roman Empire. And he'd wanted to go there, but God had gone before him. God had gone before him and started a, a, a miraculous church in Rome itself. But Paul, as he's planning to go there, wants to lay out the fullness of the gospel so that when he gets there, they'll know what the, the fullness of Jesus' gospel is. So he writes this letter. And, and the basic recap of the letter moving up to chapter 8 is this. In the first three chapters or so, Paul lays out uh, the, the, the righteousness that we need. And we need righteousness because we are wicked and fallen in sin. So he says in one place that there's none good, no, not one. Every one of us, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, whatever race you are, whatever social status you have, wherever you're at, you are in need of righteousness from God. You won't make it yourself. You don't have what it takes. But then in verses towards the end of chapter 3, through chapter 5, he lays out for us how righteousness has been made available and given to us, imputed to us by the finished work of Jesus Christ. This is good news if you understand your need. What he says is, your record is one of one crime after another crime, from misdemeanors to felonies, from mess to greater mess. That is your life. This is your life, right? It's a rap sheet. But what happens in justification is this. Your rap sheet is, is, is thrown out. It is ripped up. It is thrown into the fire. And instead, you get the resume of Jesus Christ stamped on your chest. And you are able to stand before almighty and holy God as righteous and holy and received in the beloved. That's what he's done. So he lays that out in chapters 3 through 5. Then in verses in chapters 6 through 8 and we're looking at chapter a bit of chapter 8 today, he lays out the fact that not only has righteousness been imputed to you, saying that you have this, I've given this to you and this is now the way that I receive you. This is how I see you. But in verses 6, in, in chapters 6 through 8, he lays out the fact that he also wants to impart his righteousness to us. It's not enough just to have it imputed to you to say, you're now, uh, your jurisdiction, you've been found not guilty. But now he wants to say, but now I am going to transform you from the inside out. So that not only will you be able to say, I have a standing legally before God, but will you also be able to say God is changing every part of my life to bring it into conformity 
with himself. So he lays that out, sanctification, in chapters 6 through 8. In chapter 6, he lays out our new position. You are now in Christ. So because you're in Christ, you can reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to righteousness. And he goes through all the things that come about because we have a new position. In chapter 7, though, he says, you got a new problem. The new problem is yourself. Wasn't a problem before you knew Christ because you didn't care anyway. But now... Now self, now flesh is a major issue. Now I know this doesn't apply to people at Epiphany Fellowship, but it applies to many other Christians around the world. Your flesh gets in the way of everything. So you hear this great good news that you've been justified, that God is at work in you. You can reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. And yet when you wake up in the morning, that flesh is just nasty. And it wants when it wants when it wants it, and it wants it no other way. And so you have to fight against this flesh. But he doesn't leave us in chapter 7. He brings us to chapter 8. It says not only do you have a new position, a new, a new problem, but you have a new power. And the new power is the Holy Spirit of God. You get You have a brand new power. The Christian life can only be lived in that power. Can only be walked out by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit activated in the Christian life. There's no other way. There's no other way. So we went through the first 18 verses. We talked about some of the ways in which the Holy Spirit moves and, and, and helps us and animates us and gives us power over the flesh. And we talked about how he's adopted us into his family as his children. God adopted y'all. God adopted me. My goodness, I would not have adopted myself mess that I am Jack and God knows my mess much more than I'll ever know it and yet he adopted us into his family and so we, we pick this up in verse 18 and what I want to talk about today is from futility to hope from futility to hope so we, we, we look at these verses and we see at the beginning the, these wonderful, wonderful promises. I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed to us. This incredible glory that's waiting for us. Now, what I've heard a lot of times, many messages, and it's all over uh, uh, Christian television and in other places, like this glory is here in its fullness. Isn't that wonderful? So your life is just moving you from victory to victory to victory. And you are more than a conqueror in Christ. It's in the Bible, right? So you've got this victory to victory to victory. But I'm going to guess that that is not your life experience. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you it ain't mine. It's not. It's not. We don't have that yet. So... The, the reality is when, when, when we're talked to and when we're told that this is what the Christian life is like, it's just greatness on greatness on greatness. He's taken you out of all the hardship of life because now you've got Jesus. 
Well, well, what do you say and how do you answer the hard questions of your own life? So, so someone says, okay, I, that's true, but, but how come my mom just got diagnosed with stage four cancer? If that's true, if, if that's true, then how come my body is creaking and hurting and degenerating before my eyes? I'm 50 years old. I played basketball with the young boys yesterday, and praise God I'm still standing today. Just barely, but I'm still standing today. But I know I'm older than I was. I watch them run around. I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay here. I'm going I'm to wait for them. Your body is changing, and it ain't getting younger. Um, we struggle with, with things in life. Some have had ch children die at a young age. Why? Why would that happen? Why would a stray bullet on the street take out the life of a six-year-old? And you're a mother or a brother or the closest friend. What is that like? Um, why are people so cruel to me? Because I, there's something different about me. And you know what? Being cruel to people who are different doesn't end in junior high school. Doesn't end there. Some people go through their whole lives with cruel jokes and mess all around them because there's something that distinguishes them from others in a different way. For some of you, you, you go to bed at night and you have nightmares about your job tomorrow. You're crying because of the hardship and the trial that you know is going to face you the next day uh, as you go to your job. For others, you're struggling because you just wish you had a job to go to in the first place. And, and the finances are getting tight and hard. Look, life is difficult and the Bible does not say otherwise. So what, what I'm going to give you today is kind of like one point. One sentence, but I'm going to give the sentence to you in three parts. The first part is this. God is holding back from you. I hope that didn't sound too much like heresy. But, but the reality, what God is, what we're going to see here is there are ways in which right now God is holding back from you. He hasn't given you everything yet. Um, some years ago, a, there was a Christian book, I'll use quotes, Christian book written uh, called Your Best Life Now. Um, now, I don't know about you, but I hope this is not my best life now. Because even when things are going good, I know I'm one phone call away from tragedy. I'm an accident away from everything being turned upside down. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a diagnosis away from struggle beyond what I can imagine. Last year, we went through it with my wife. We went out to breakfast. Things were good. The next thing I learned, uh, turned around, she was getting her chest, uh, uh, her chest cut open to take her heart out and, and, and do open heart surgery on her. You know, just like that. And that's the reality in this life. Those things are going to happen. So if this is your best life now, God bless you. You're in trouble. If this is your best life now, then you're not going to heaven. I'll tell you that right now. Because heaven is better than this, for sure. 
for sure. So, so let's look at verse 20 here for a moment. Look at a couple of these verses. It says, the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Now that's, that's what's promised for us for, for the future, right? Verse 23 says, well, verse 22, we know the whole creation has been groaning together even until now. And verse 23 says, we groan. We, we have the first fruits, the down payment of the Holy Spirit, but we groan within ourselves. So there is this, this repetition of groaning that goes on. Groaning is normal for believers in Christ. Struggle is not strange. It's not different. It's not an unexpected person coming to the party. It's the reality of a life in Jesus Christ in this age. So he goes on to say, in this verse, um, we eagerly await for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Now, he told us earlier that we have been adopted. That was the last message from verses 12 to 18. He talks about we no longer have a spirit of fear. We are no longer under slavery, but now we've been made sons of the living God. We've been adopted by God as sons. Yeah. But, but in this verse, he says, we're waiting for adoption as sons. What's going on? What's happening here? Well, having done work with adoption for many years, I'll just give you uh, uh, an analogy of that from, from, adopt, from the adoption world. When, when a child is adopted in almost every state, the law says that after they're in the home to be adopted, they have to be there at least six months before that adoption is finalized. So now, if a 10-year-old child moves into a home to be adopted, two, year, two months into that, if you ask that child if he's adopted, what are, what are they going to say? Yes, this is my mommy, this is my daddy, I've been adopted. But in the eyes of the law, that adoption is not finalized until a judge puts the gavel in the courtroom and says, this is finalized, this adoption is done. And the same is true with us as believers in Christ. Now, we are adopted by God already, but the fullness of what that means won't be manifested until Jesus comes back again or we go to be with him. The fullness of it, because he says, we're waiting for this adoption, the redemption of our bodies. In verse 10 of this chapter, he said, your body is dead because of sin. So, so no wonder it's so hard because you're walking around in a dead body. You're walking around with flesh. I'm dragging 220 pounds with me everywhere I go. It's hard. No wonder it's difficult. So, so God is, is holding back the fullness of what it means for us uh, to, to, to realize our Christian hope. He says in verse 20 that the creation was subjected to futility. And we're part of that creation. We're subjected to futility as well. That word means to be to be in a perishable and decaying condition, separate from God and pursuing 
false ends. Futility is being in a place where you're not, you don't have full access to what God uh, is going, has promised you in order to live that out. Futility. The creation is subject to futility. It's hard. It's difficult. There's something somewhere being held back. So some of the best news that you'll ever hear is this. Your salvation right now is still incomplete. It's awaiting that final act where you get that brand new body. Uh, one, one commentator says this, Always our salvation, while definitively secured for us at conversion, has an element of incompleteness in which the forward look is necessary. So we look forward to what God has promised to do, and He will come through. He will come through. Now next, as we go on in these verses, let's look at verse 24 and 25. He says these words, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. If you can already see it, you don't have to hope for it anymore. Let, let's make this clear. I'm, I'm married. My wife left me um, after the first service. She's, she's home now. <laughs> that, that, that's what I meant. I'll see her at dinner time in a little while. But, but so, so I am not hoping for a wife. I am not hoping for a wife. Because when, when I go to bed at night, I can look on the other side of the bed and I can see a wife. When I wake up in the morning, I can look and I see a wife again. And, and wherever I go and through the day, I, I can see a wife. So I don't have to hope for a wife. I hope that none of the brothers in here who are married are hoping for a wife. That would be bad. Same thing for sisters that are married. Don't be hoping for a husband. You got one. Just look. Right? But if you're not married and if you're hoping, that makes sense. That's okay. I'm hoping. I'm hoping for the right man. And you got the picture in front of you or the right woman. And you have a picture in front of you. You hope for what you don't see yet. You hope for what you don't see yet. Sometimes that's better than what you will eventually see. But that's all good. <laughs> but, but you're hoping for this, this wonderful, wonderful husband or wife. It, it, if you already have one, you don't have to hope. But, but I love the phraseology he uses here where he says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Now, now one translation puts it this way, uh, for if we hope what we do not see with perseverance, we eagerly, we wait eagerly for it. The word uh, for, for waiting there means to wait in, with eager expectation. It's not just chilling out waiting, but it's waiting eagerly for something. So he says, believers, we are waiting eagerly. Now, uh, I, I think of waiting eagerly as, as Christmas Eve when I was five years old. I was waiting eagerly for Christmas morning. I was so eager that every 10 minutes, I was going in mommy and daddy's room and saying, is it time yet? It's 2.30 in the morning. No, it's not time yet. Okay, I'll go back to bed. Is it time yet? It's 2.40 in the morning. It's not time yet. 
waiting with eager expectation. But he says here, not only with eager expectation, but also with patience. See, five-year-olds on Christmas Eve can't put those two together. (laughs) They've got eager expectation, but they know nothing of patience. The word there is also used for perseverance or endurance. It is a quality that God is about uh, putting into his people. So the second part of our sentence, I said, God is holding back from you. The second part is, in order that you might learn to persevere in hope. In order that you might learn to persevere in hope. God is holding some things back for a time because he wants to get something out of you in eternity. He wants to develop you in such a way that you're ready for all his glory that is surely on its way. So so we wait with this type of hope. In James chapter 1, he says these words at verse 2, Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Same word as here, endurance. And let steadfastness or endurance or patience have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God has you in a place where you're going to need some perseverance. That, that word literally means to, to hold up under something. To, 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 to hold up under something and to stay there for a while. Perseverance. Let me give you an example. I drink tea. I don't drink coffee. Now, I know for some of you, you're now questioning my salvation, but that's okay. You've got to go back to the book. <laughs> I drink tea. I don't drink coffee. When I first started to drink tea, I want everything fast. So what I would do is I would get my water hot. I would put the tea bag into the water, just make, make it soak just a little bit, take it out, and then scrunch that tea bag to get all the stuff out of it into, and, and the water turned colors. So as far as I was concerned, I was accomplishing what I wanted to accomplish in making a cup of tea. And then I put about seven tablespoons of sugar in it, and it didn't matter anyway. But um, so, so early on as I was making tea, that, that's exactly what I did. But after a while, I learned something about tea. Tea is little leaves, right? And, and when, when you put the tea in the water in the hot water, in the scalding water. It needs to stay there for a while in order for all the nutrients that that are in those leaves to come out of those leaves. It needs to stay in that scalding hot water for a while in order for all the flavor that was already in them to come out. I think y'all get the analogy already. What's God doing? See, see, when we are living our lives, we're, we're living like microwave Christian lives. We want everything to happen fast. The Christian life doesn't work that way. So what am I saying? I'm saying this. Biblically, it's speaking, it's impossible to hope in a hurry. You can't hope and hurry God along. 
it won't work. Microwave Christianity doesn't work. You're going to have to suffer for a while. You're going to have to go through some hard tests and trials and grow. Listen, this is what God is about. To grow to love God more than you love your own comfort. Now, I don't know about anyone else in this room, but what I just said convicted me. Right? I am in slow class when it comes to that. I, I, I have failed that class 15 times. I am 35 years old in second grade as far as that class goes. But God wants us to be in a place, and this is what he's about. This is why he's not allowing you to see it all right now. This is why the test is difficult. This is why the water is hot. This is why you just don't move out to the next thing real quick, and it's all right real quick, because he wants to work in you the flavor of the Holy Spirit. He wants to work in you the nutrients of God himself in order that that all comes out of you and you can stand in place in his glory and be all right. You see, it's a process. So, so, so in order that you might persevere in hope, he allows you to go through this. Last point, last point is this, and we're looking at verses 26 and 27. Let's read those verses first. He says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We heard groaning of all creation, groaning. Believers, groaning. This is tough. This is difficult, but thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit's also groaning. Now, he's not groaning a hopeless groan saying, I don't know what to do anymore because he's God himself. But he is coming alongside of us and groaning with us. The Bible said, look at this. It says, we don't know what to pray for. Now, most of us think we do know what to pray for. I just don't know quite how to pray it. But the Bible says you're even dumber than that. You don't know what to pray for. You are dumber than you thought you were. Let me give you, well, let me say this first. And so the Holy Spirit becomes the divine editor of your prayer life. He's the divine editor that knows just how to put it so that now your prayer is the will of God. He knows how to do that. Let me tell you about the editing process real quick. I had a conversation a little while ago with, with a young man, and um, it was a great conversation, got into some things. But afterwards, I was really reflecting on it, and I said, man, what he was saying, that's me too. That's so real in my own life. But, but what he was saying to me was, he was frustrated about one particular area in his life. And he said, man, I've been praying to God over and over and over again. Man, if God would just change this one thing, I'd be all right. I would serve him. I would work for him. I would depend on him. If he would just do this one thing, 
just one thing. And, and, and what I realized in that is this. That's just not true. And here's why. Let, let, let me make the example even clearer. So I was banging my head against the wall trying to come up with an example that would work at Epiphany Fellowship because sometimes as a preacher, when you use examples, you, you don't want to step on anybody's toes. You don't want to make anybody feel bad. You don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So I came up with an example that I know doesn't involve anybody here at Epiphany Fellowship. So let's just say that the thing that you're really struggling with is, I don't know, something that doesn't affect anyone here at Epiphany. Oh, here's a good one. Let, let's say it's, it's lust. <laughs> or broken sexuality in some way. So I'm on safe ground, not going to offend anybody here. Everybody's cool with that area of their life, right? So let, 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 let's just say it, it's that, okay? So what we're saying is, God, if you will take that away from me in such a way that I can just stand up and never have to deal with that area again, if, if you will put on me uh, a Superman suit in that area of my life, you know, you, you bulk me up, you'll make me this Superman uh, as far as that area of my life, then what I will do is I will lean on you in utter dependence in every other area of life. No, you won't. It's a lie. But it is the way many of us think, and almost all of us think that way sometimes. God, if you just solve this and make me strong here, then I'll lean on you in every other area. Not so. Not so. God has fixed it so that it is not that way. Your weakness, your inability to even persevere under things, God has fixed it in such a way that you can't do it by yourself. You need to rely on the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit day after day. Every second of every minute of every hour of every day. You need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit once again. So, so Paul was dealing with this kind of issue in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And you, some of you know, in, 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 in that scripture, Paul talks about how he had seen these incredible visions of God in the third heaven. And that was enough to make anyone just proud and say, man, if you knew what I saw, God invited me to check out heaven in a way that he has not invited any of you. Na, 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 na. <laughs> Look at me. Look what I have on you. Um, and, and he said, you know, this did have the potential of making me proud and, 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 and boasting. But as he goes on in the, in the verses there, I'm just going to pick it up uh, in verse 7. He says, even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. A messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three times, I begged the Lord. Here's my prayer. I'm begging you, God, take it away. Each time, he said, God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. 
So then Paul says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. You see, we, we, we mess it up. So, so God is holding back from you for a time in order that you might learn to persevere in hope and to lean completely on the Holy Spirit of God. There, there, there's no other way for us as believers to make it. We, we want to find something else. We want to find a place where I can make it in my strength. And God is consistently saying to you, I don't want you to do that. We groan within ourselves. Um, and I've heard it said many times, God will never put on you more than you can bear. And there is truth in that, but there's also falsehood because people use it the wrong way. God will not put you in any temptation that's more than what you'll be able to bear because he gives you a way out of temptation. But he doesn't say in all the things of your life, he's not going to put, you, put on you more than you can bear. In, in, indeed, if he did say that, then the Apostle Paul did not get that memo. 2 Corinthians 1.8, Paul says this, we think, we, ought to, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. It was more than we could endure. That's where he went. That's where he was. That's where you and I need to be. Don't run out of the hot water. Don't find the, the way out of the difficulty to make you feel comfortable all over again for a minute because God's coming back. He's coming back. If you're his child, he wants you so steeped and soaked through the trials and difficulties of life, that you have learned to lean wholly on Him, that you have learned that your dumb prayers won't get it. Sometimes I just need to groan and ask God, help me, I don't know what to pray for, I don't know how to pray, I don't know what to do next, but you are God. And I will trust you. I will trust you. I will believe you. God holds back his glory from us for a time so that we might be prepared to receive the fullness of his glory for eternity. I want to look at one last scripture and I'm going to pray and we're going to close. Paul uses these words. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 starting at verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not at the things that are seen but at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the finished work of Christ and the reality that as your people, 
we will experience the fullness of all that that means. But God, I pray that you would help us now and here in this time to bear up under what we are unable to bear up under. I pray that, Lord, you would help us to to realize that we are weak and not strong, that we are not able in ourselves to make it. But, Lord, you have promised that you will never leave us or forsake us. You will be with us always to the very end of the age, that your Holy Spirit dwells in your people, that you are the editor of our prayers, that, Lord, you are able to bring us to glory in such a way that the name of Jesus is more glorified than we could ever imagine. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit in the lives of your people. Have your way. Glorify your name and be with us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.